Hello and welcome to another episode of the Diet Obsessed Podcast. I am your host, Veronica Santarelli, and this is a podcast for those of us who are just obsessed with all things diet culture, and we like to discuss the details and mention it all. All right, let's get into this next VIP episode. So today I'm going to be sharing part two of my very traumatic um, situation that happened many years ago where I was almost murdered by a guy at the gym. And so I wanted to continue that story. Uh, It is Thursday. I am kind of taping ahead because I wanted to, next month I actually leave for Europe. So my first time in Europe, very, very excited. So I'm trying to get ahead of some episodes so that I can be a little bit stress-free next month or less stressed. Today's been a pretty healthy day so far. I got up early. I did a run slash walk, did some foam rolling, just got back from getting my hair did. So feeling pretty good. I've just had a superfood smoothie so far today. Um, And then I'm... I might treat myself a little bit. Maybe I'll go get some flower child in a few minutes. But um, but yeah, I wanted to get back into this part two of the, It's it should be a three-part episode. Today, what I wanted to cover is kind of the next progression in kind of how it how it how it devolved, I suppose, <laughs> instead of evolved. It devolved into, you know, me thinking I might lose my life one night. And and actually there were I again it's if any of you have ever been in a situation like this you probably understand. If you've never been, I think it's hard for people to understand why people stay, right? Like why people stay in a relationship when violence has happened or um, you know, domestic abuse, verbal abuse, whatever it is. It's it's hard for people that have never experienced that to understand why people put up with it and why they continue to stay in the relationship. Uh, for me, it was like, you know, for me, at least how it started, you know, we were having so much fun initially. And and even though I could see that there were some some kind of dark sides to him, until that night at the BMW event, it, it had never, you know, gotten violent. And when it did, that that first night, you know, there was a lot of alcohol involved. So there's a tendency to blame alcohol. There, I also blamed myself. You know, I think that happens to a lot of victims is they kind of look at themselves and they're like, oh, well, I put myself in that situation or, oh, well, I should never have gotten into this relationship in the first place. Oh, I should not have been drinking and should have, you know, recognized that might get, might get jealous in this situation. Regardless, it's like you, you start kind of kind of rationalizing almost like why something like this happened and you think that you can prevent it from happening again, right? That that's that I think is the mentality. And it's also that, you know, you don't just stop caring about someone, right? Like I did have, of course, you know, when women have sex with somebody, right? We release these chemicals, they bond us to that person. And so I had these like chemical emotions towards him just because I slept with him. 
And, and so, you know, feeling like I was the reason that he got fired, like I felt completely responsible instead of saying, well, actually he shouldn't have acted like a drunk asshole and gone off into a jealous rage, right? That that should have been my mentality. Instead, it was like, I'm responsible for this. I should never have done this. I put us in this situation. And, and of course there were, of course, I was like, this can never happen again, but, uh, you know, you, you, you don't stop. The feelings don't stop, right? This is, you, you don't just stop caring or being attracted or, you know, having these emotions towards this person. And so, so we continued to see each other, you know, I, I, I hid it from work, but, and it was so embarrassing. Like people were whispering behind my back, you know, I would have to cover up the bruises that I had. I had my arms were literally completely black and blue. It that was where he grabbed me that night and shook me. It was it was around my biceps and and the back of my arms and it was completely black. I mean this like with bruises. This guy was really strong. He was just he's one of those I don't know if you've ever felt someone that has just those hard, that hard body, those hard muscles, just genetically, they're, they're big bone, they're, they're thick, they're strong. He was really, really strong. And I'm, I'm fairly, you know, at least my upper body, like I carry a lot of my weight in my lower body, but like my upper body is very thin and, and just him grabbing me so, so hard, it just bruised the shit out of me. And so, so it was just, you know, covering that up and, and there's just so many emotions involved in seeing your like bruises on you. And, and so, so anyway, so, you know, we, we then begin this like really dysfunctional part of our relationship, I guess you can call it. I mean, we were in some sort of dysfunctional relationship. It was never, I, he never became my boyfriend. And I think I said that in my last episode, like, because there were so many red flags at the beginning, it was just red flags. Like, oh, he's stealing these sales from this mother, <laughs> you know, like that's just poor character. Like, I don't want to be with someone like that long-term. Yes, I have this attraction that I need to explore, but, and again, that's why I feel a little bit guilty for doing that because it was just chemical sexual attraction. But anyway, I, I need to give myself grace. We've all been there. But, um, but you know, you, you see the red flags, but you'd never think that something like what happened would happen. And so, but he never, but because of seeing some of his character flaws, I'm like, this is, this is never going to be someone that I, that I really consider somebody that I, you know, would want to form a strong relationship and, and, and build a future with like, no. And I also knew that he was losing his condo. I mean, I knew that, that he, I mean, he had kind of mentioned, and I think, I do think that that the fact that he had put $200,000 in cash down on this $800,000 condo in Irvine. Now, I didn't, I wasn't a homeowner back then. I just, I knew, I know about adjustable rates right now because Chad and I bought this house in, in Arizona. And because it was, you know, it was a, it was a very expensive home and, you know, they don't do jumbo loans anymore. So we could only get a loan. We had to get two loans, one for 500,000 and one to cover the rest. And because I'm in the cannabis industry, the second loan ended up getting denied 
And so we had to take out a hard money. We had to like, like re- literally right before we're about to close, the bank Googles me, sees that I'm in the cannabis industry and denies the loan. We almost lost the house completely. But Chad had some very wealthy friends. We were able to get a hard money loan with a high interest. And we were able to then take an equity line out on the house because we both have good credit. So then we were able to pay that guy back. And then, but we have this equity line right now that's like, you know, it's it's not cheap. like we have to pay off this equity line because it's a variable interest rate. So as the feds have been hiking up the interest rate recently, like we're getting fucked, <laughs> like we're getting screwed. We're not some like wealthy people. So we're just like, you know, that's why I got the second job so that I can pay this, 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 these mortgages. But anyway, but, I, you know, even just with that, you know, our second mortgage, which is a much smaller amount than our, our main mortgage, but it's an adjustable rate. So, at, you know, and, and it's nowhere near the levels that happened in 2008. I think what happened then, and maybe some of you went through this or saw parents go through this, but, you know, the interest rates went insanely high. Like, I think it was like credit card status. And so, of course, you know, on an $800,000 mortgage or $600,000, whatever it was, if you have an adjustable rate on that kind of money, you're you're going to lose your home, which is what happened, right? Everybody lost their homes in that 2008 crisis. And, you know, and I always looked at it as that's kind of sad. You know, he did work really hard and he did put the 20% down. I mean, he was one of those, at least he had the money to put down on it and he thought he could make the payments. But I think just a lot of people were kind of dragged into those really bad mortgage deals. And, you know, I don't think he really understood what was going to happen. But but I think that added to this like behind the scenes stress and anger and, and whatever it was that he was dealing with that he never really talked to me about that. But I can't imagine that that wasn't happening and also adding to his substance abuse and and that kind of thing. So, so anyway, so we ended up, I wanted to share a couple of really traumatic stories that kind of led up to this last day. And the fact that I, you're going to think I'm crazy that I stayed with him after, after some of these stories. So, so one of them, now let me just say this. When he drank, okay, it was like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. His eyes, I think I said this on my last one, it was like he wasn't there anymore. And so I grew to fear that look in his, in his eye. And and so we ended up, like one of the stories that... um so I ended up going to his apartment one night. I actually think this was the night that we almost got washed away in the ocean. <laughs> I think it was actually that night. Um, we had been drinking all day and, and we ended up back at his place that night. And, and it, we were really, really drunk. And I'm trying to remember how the drama started because sometimes he would just get this notion in his eye, in his head, like you're cheating on me or I don't know. He would just come up with some story and he would just start like raging against me. And, and so I remember, I think we were trying to like, like he was still up drinking. I wanted to go to bed and he suddenly just like drags me out of bed and he's just, 
he's just, he's angry about something. And I, I, I don't remember what it was. I just remember being really, really scared and feeling like, oh my God, like I'm trapped in his apartment right now. Like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to get out. I don't know where to go. And I was drunk. So I didn't, I couldn't drive anywhere. And, and I'm trying to remember if I even had my vehicle there. He might've driven me there. And, and I just remember like him just starting to just kind of like throw me around and, and grab me and shake me and yell at me and, and it was, it was, it was about nothing, right? It was, it was literally about nothing. And, and I just remember, again, this was really like, just very sketchy in my head because I, it was, it, I was, again, I was very inebriated and I just remember like, I need to escape. Like I have to get out of here. And, and, and I just realized that however I had to do it, I just had to get out of that apartment And I remember he did something that drew blood. Like I remember as soon as I saw blood, I can't remember what he did to me that, that ended up drawing blood from me. I think it, I think it was, I can't, I can't, I can't remember, but I just remember when I saw that I was like, oh my God, like this is going to get really bad. And I remember being able to grab all my stuff and run out of the apartment. And I was like hiding from him in the parking garage. And I was just trying to find help, just trying to find help. And I remember praying to God, like to help me. And all of a sudden this woman appeared out of nowhere. And this is kind of why I think I do have a guardian angel out there. This woman appeared and she helped me she's she asked what happened she's just like and she just she ended up helping me call my friend Reza who lived down in Orange County and my friend Reza is this like really great guy just super super just good good person where you know he was like this high up VIP or VP and in um, CVS he's he just he's a really good friend he ended up coming and and bringing me for you know picking me up and she just, you know, this woman and her husband stayed with me and just made sure that I kind of got safely away. I think Mike did find us and was trying to like get me away from her. And I was just like, please don't, please. I just want to stay with you. And it was very embarrassing. Like it's, it's all embarrassing, but I do credit her. I remember I was trying to find her. Like she was just literally this angel that appeared out of nowhere. And, and anyway, my friend Reza was like, V. And I didn't tell him all the details. I was very ashamed. I was very embarrassed. I really didn't want him to know. But I just remember him being like, V, are you okay? Like, what's going on with you? Like, is this, this, this is not a good relationship. And, and he ended up, like, I ended up, I, I just didn't, I didn't want to tell anyone the details because I knew, I knew that, well, I, I just didn't want anyone to judge me. And I, and I also, it's really crazy to say this, but I think I knew I wasn't quite done with him yet. It was just cr- like at the time I was like, fuck this. I'm done with him. Like no more. But, um, but anyway, so, so I slept at, at, at my friends that night and, and I, again, I don't remember how, like, of course, you know, they, they text again and you want them to text and 
you know, it's the cycle of abuse. And and I think some of it is the drama. Some of it's the, the adrenaline that you kind of get addicted to, I think. And, um, I don't know. I just, I, I, even though I kind of wanted to end things at that point and I should have, I didn't. And I'm trying to remember there were some things that he had done that made me feel like he might be on the down low gay. I can't remember exactly what he did or said along the journey that made me feel that way. But here's here's where it all really kind of because I I always had this feeling that there was some darkness behind his eyes, like some, maybe some dramatic thing had happened in his past. I think his dad abused him and his brother. Again, this is a complete hypothesis. I have no idea. I did get the sense that he was scared of his dad and that his dad was a real dick, like a real asshole. And, and obviously, you know, violence and that kind of behavior, addiction, all that stuff comes from somewhere. And I, I do kind of wonder, like, did he have kind of like a Menendez, like, grow, like growing up? Was he abused? Was he sexually abused? Like, what was it? And I can't remember. There was something about a way he had acted at one point that made me feel like he might have some gay tendencies. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But if you're someone who's trying to deny a part of yourself and 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 you don't allow yourself to explore, maybe you're repressing something. Anyway, so so the next traumatic thing that happened is so we were we went to and again I really did want him I don't know. I I never really did think that he was going to become a boyfriend, but for some reason I brought him around my friends. I did. I brought him. So there were, there were a couple, couple incidences. So, so one was my friend Melissa and, and her ex-boyfriend Jason. So let me give you some backstory on this. So Jason used to be and I'm, and I'm only sharing this because, again, your VIP level. So Jason, we used to party with back in the day in Boston. So Jason was friends with my ex-husband. And Jason was, like, super druggy. Like, he, I mean, at one point he almost died of, like, a heroin addiction. And he, like, he was just always one of those guys that, like, didn't want the party to ever end. Um, he, you know, we, it would be, like, you know, two in the morning and I'd be like, oh, we need to go. And he'd give me this like big attitude and be pissed that I was trying to like drag my husband away from the party. I'm like, we got to go to bed. And, and so, and Jason was, you know, he's, he's a nice guy. Like he's, he's fun to be around, but he's, you know, he, he has like major, major, major addiction issues. And, and he's definitely like off a little bit. Um, but but my my girlfriend Melissa, who I love to death, uh, she is now she lives in New Hampshire. She has a couple kids. She finally got away from him. But Jason was like her her very early love. So they used to they lived together at that point in Boston, not in Boston, but outside of Boston, but in the in that area. And you know we Jason and Melissa had a home together. We would always go party with them. So anyway, so when I moved out to California, I moved out alone. 
But Melissa ended up moving out after me because she was dating my friend Reza, the one I, I mentioned earlier. And she, I'm trying to think, she she did move out there initially with Reza. And Jason ended up moving out after her. And at that point, they had broken up. Like, she kind of nursed him back to health when he was in his heroin addiction. And he survived, but they did break up. But she, but there was there's some weird connection. You know, those those people that never can get over each other and that always have this, like, tie and connection together. That was Jason and Melissa. And so even though she's with this, like, Reza's like this great guy. I mean, super responsible, very wealthy, like super, you know, good job, good person, good moral character, comes from a good family, all of it. And I think Melissa, you know, Melissa comes from like good parents that that party a lot, you know, so I think she just has, she has that like party bug in her. And I think I honestly think that Reza was just a little bit too healthy for her. And I think she, like, the the trauma of Jason kind of, she could just never get over him. So, so Jason had moved out after Melissa moved out. And they were just, you know, friends. And so we would hang out with Jason and Melissa sometimes. And, and you know, Jason was always the type. He just wants to keep the party going. Like, he, he he'll put himself kind of around anyone that will just, you know, continue to hang out and party. And so, of course, him and Mike, with both of them, like, heavy, heavy addictions, right, they, you know, they were like, they hit it off right away. And I remember at one point, and again, I don't remember all the details, but we were all hanging out together, and and Mike and I were in the back seat, and we started getting into a fight, and Mike, like, grabbed me, like, around the neck and started, like, like choking me a little bit and like, you know, being just being really rough with me. And I was like fighting back and we were literally like fighting in the back of the seat. And, and Melissa was like, stop, stop, like, don't do that to her. Cause obviously like Mike's much stronger than me. So it's not really a fight. He's just like hurting me. And, and, you know, Jason would just keep driving and Melissa would be kind of like begging Mike to stop. But, but they, I mean, they saw it, they knew what was happening. They definitely knew that we had this dysfunctional, abusive relationship I think they were the ones that like actually saw it firsthand um and and so so that was like this other situation again I don't remember all the details of where we were going or what we did or how it all ended when we got there because I'm like how do you even get out of that situation and act normal like that's what that if somebody was telling me that story that's what I would ask them like how did you even act normal after that? How did you all hang out after that? Like, I don't know. I, I think back to that time and I'm like, what the hell was I? Like, I needed a lobotomy at that time, apparently. So, so those were some friends that we would hang out with. And then I don't know why I ever thought I could introduce him to somebody quality like Reza. So Reza, so Reza, okay, that's, that's why, because he was dating Melissa at the time. So so Melissa and Reza were living together in Reza's house down in Orange County at this point. And, and so we decided to go and hang out with them one night. And so I was driving my car. I can't remember what kind of car I had. I think actually that was, might've been my, I don't know. I can't remember what car I had, but I, I'm kind of like not the cleanest, tidiest person. I'm very, you know, neat about my personal appearance, but you know, I don't keep my car like super tidy. I mean, it's kind of a mess. 
But um, so at this time, I had this like re this very weird white stain on my car. I don't know what it was from. It was on the seat. It was almost like chalk or it, all the chalk would wipe off. It was like kind of paint or something. I don't know what it was, but it was like this white smudge. And so we took the car down there and we were hanging out and, you know, we had dinner, we were hanging out after and, and, and then, and, you know, of course we're drinking and as Mike got drunker and drunker and drunker, of course I see that eye that like his, he's, he's gone. He's, he's starting to become the weird Mike that I start to get nervous around and scared of, and he's going to do something strange and what he ended up doing, he ended up grabbing my friend Reza by the ass and not even like just like grabbing him by the ass. He actually like apparently like stuck a finger like up his butthole <laughs> and Reza was just like immediately like, I mean, Reza's, you know, Reza's Iranian. He's Persian. He's a super macho manly guy that, you know, anybody else would have probably gotten to a fight with him. But, but Reza's like... Reza just brought me into a way he's like, I don't know what's going on with your friend, Mike, but this just happened and that's not okay. And he was just, and I was like, let's get out of here. I immediately was like, Mike, let's get out of here. Cause I knew it was just going to get worse. Like, I didn't know what would happen, but I just knew we got to go. And we were planning on probably staying down there cause we had all both drank a lot and I was, I was in no shape to drive. Let me just tell you that. So, so we leave. And we're, this is, I mean, I'm, I'm very ashamed that I even put myself on the road like this. I think this was before Uber, before any like ride sharing happened, but I'm just like, let me just get us home. Let me just get us home. Let me just get us out of here. Let me take us away from this awkward, terrible situation before it devolves. So, so I'm driving, Mike's in the passenger seat and that's where that white smudge was. And like for anybody that's ever seen male semen, like it did not look like male semen. Okay. And first of all, if, if a guy had like jizzed in my car, it, it, it would be dried. It would be, you know, it wouldn't be that color. Like this is clearly like some sort of paint or something. It's it, anyway, he got in his head that that's what it was. I was cheating on him and that this was some guy that had been in my car that had like splooged all over the, you know, the seat. It was so, so absurd, so ridiculous. But you can't rationalize with someone that's in a state like that. So he, this is what he, like, I thought I was going to die this night. So I'm driving on the freeway going like 65 and he starts he grabs the wheel and he starts like grabbing it and like tugging it, like, like pulling us off the road. And I'm like, Mike, what are you doing? Stop it. You're going to kill it. Like I literally thought we were going to die. I thought we were going to get into an accident. I mean, if a cop had been behind us, we would have had DUI. I would have had a DUI. Like just, I, and I'm like, and I was just praying, like, please let me get home. Please let me get Mike. Please stop. Please. And I, Again, I I think I blacked out where I don't remember exactly how we how we survived that night, how we got home. But he kept, I just remember he kept doing it. He wouldn't stop. But 
finally, finally, we, we made it home safely. I don't, I don't know how, I don't know whether we ended up at his house. I don't remember if we made it back to my house. I have no idea. I assume we went back to his place because we were in Orange County and to drive all the way back to LA would have been insane. But God, I, I, that night, that night specifically really stands out because I, again, that was another night I thought I was going to die. And, and you'd think, you'd think that that would have been the end. (laughs) You'd think that that would have been finally the end of me putting myself in dangerous, terrible situation after situation. Unfortunately, it wasn't. I think that was very close to the end where I'm like, fuck this guy. This guy's going to literally kill us, kill us, you know, and take us off the road. He's clearly not stable. He's loses his mind when he drinks. And, and yet I still ended up seeing him again. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, this is, this is the person that I continue to date, continued to, uh, I don't even know. I, I, again, it's crazy to me. And, and, and it happens to a lot of people. And I didn't have kids. It's not like I had kids with this person that I, I felt trapped or, you know, I had a job. I mean, that's why it's, it's kind of crazy when, when women stay and I obviously know a lot better now, but I think that's why now I try so hard to find safe people to surround myself, surround myself with like Chad. I mean, Chad is such a good soul, such a good, kind, gentle human being. Uh, I'm just, God, this is like reliving a lot of trauma. So hopefully all of you are not triggered too badly. Hopefully you're not judging me too hard for continuing to see this person. But, um, you know, I wanted to share some of these stories and, you know, I think there is a sense of healing that happens when you share your trauma. I did end up, well, I'll, I'll share a little bit more of this in the next story, but you know, one of my biggest regrets is not pressing charges against him. And, you know, I, I I did eventually try to, and it was too late, but you know, I, I, I'm scared for anybody else that ends up in a relationship with him. And I think that's, you know, I'm such a fierce feminist I'm so like power to the woman and fuck those guys and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and that's, I think why I was the most disappointed in myself that I didn't, you know, help protect other women from this, this person, but we'll see. I might get more vocal as I, as I go, but I, this is kind of like the baby step into sharing some of these things. And, um, again, hopefully none of you are triggered too badly, Uh, This will be a little bit of a shorter episode, but I will share part three, the finale, uh, next month. And so thank you, thank you all for being VIP members. I so, so, so appreciate you and value the support that you you bring to the show. Um, It does keep me going. So thank you again and stay tuned for part three, which will be coming out uh, in October. I will probably have some bonus episodes before then, but, um, but I'll definitely have this part three very soon. And until we meet again, 
I hope all of you have a safe, happy, and balanced week and month.